and across from a little town called Banyawangi, across into Java, and then drove through the jungle. Because back then, you know, G-Land was, was, was not a surf camp yet. It was just this guy named Mike Boyum was just, uh, just starting it. Hello and welcome to the UK Surf Show. We are your hosts, very excited hosts. I'm Pete. And I'm Leighton. On this episode, we speak to the one, the only, drumroll. Gregory Harrison, who plays Chandler in North Shore. Can you believe it? Can you fucking believe it? To say we were a little bit excited again, um, you know, now we've spoken to Turtle, Nick Kane, as you call him. No, no, <laughs> no, no. I said Rick Kane. Yeah. It just came out as Nick Kane because of the mic. The best thing about that is he commented on the Instagram post saying, great episode, really enjoyed it. Hope you get some good waves soon. Your friend, Nick Kane. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, ni- nice one, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's brilliant. So, yeah, Turtle, Rick, and Chandler. And now, yeah, the best chauffeur in Hawaii. Hawaii. Maybe, Maybe even the, the world, world, even. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I, I just don't know what to say. It was great. Uh, He's a lovely, lovely But I say that about everybody who speak to, because most surfers are lovely people, but he is a really nice guy. It, it felt like... I felt comfortable. Yeah. <laughs> like 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 we were having a audio hug from him when he was talking. He's got a really good voice yeah. and I just felt like I don't know, like safe. Speaking of audio. <laughs> yes. Yes. The audio was a nightmare. It kept dropping in and out, so I've edited this together best I could. But the worst part was the first question. So, how did you get the role of Chandler? And it went and cut out completely. Air silence, me and Leighton looking at each other across the internet going, oh my God, what's going on? It's all gone wrong. And then it cuts back in to him going, and that was the best time ever. <laughs> <laughs> Worst thing that could have happened. Yeah, we, we, try, we tried to get him to, to re, re-answer the question and stuff. But when Gregory Harrison is talking, you don't want to interrupt him because the stories are just so amazing. So. Yeah. Some of them kind of got away from us. I hope you um, can still enjoy the the episode because Pete's done an amazing job at salvaging what we what we had. But because of this COVID thing and we had to be in separate rooms as well, it's almost like too much for our uh, for the technology, wasn't it, to to deal yeah. with? And he was also in a hotel, wasn't he? So I don't know if it was something to do with hotel Wi-Fi or, or whatever. But anyway, here we go. Gregory Harrison, baby. Enjoy. Right, so yeah, we'll we'll get into it. So the one and only Gregory Harrison, who played Chandler in North Shore. I can't believe you're on the show. I really can't. This is just like you're the triple header. <laughs> and then you're the other guys as well. So oh we're so pleased you're on here. Uh thanks. Nice to be here with you guys. I understand you had you had Matt and John on before, right? Yeah. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, you're you're like the the other main character in the film, and like me and Pete were talking about this um, before, and because uh, like, we've grown up with the film, you've start off uh, like kind of wanting to be maybe Rick or Turtle, but now we're older, we're like actually 
Chandler's got it sorted, he'd be the one I'd choose now because, you know, he lives in Hawaii. He's an amazing surfer. He's got a business. So you just think about things differently when you're a bit older. And he's got the biggest quiver of boards anybody's ever seen. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I love that part of the movie. I I love the whole idea of... uh of having to go through 17 boards before he was uh, qualified to surf in that contest. So how did how did it come about then that you got the part as Chandler in North Shore? Well, the producer of the film's name's Randall Pfizer. And uh, I had worked with Randall years earlier in a show, in a television Christmas movie that uh, had won an Emmy for the best movie of the year and all that. So Randall and I had had long to come in and audition for it, which I had to do. He didn't give it to me. I had to go in and audition. I don't know who else was in there on it. I got the offer. And, you know, for me, it was, you know, it was a dream come true. It was the, I, I was so in love with surfing and I was such a soul surfer. I started in 1959. I was nine years old and all there were were longboards. And, you know, I, I, I grew up as a, as a longboard soul surfer on the backside of Catalina Island, which is a little island off the coast of L.A. I lived on that island. That's where I was born and raised. So it was just, I was just, uh, uh, you know, I was just a Grom who loved surfing before surfing was even popular, before the Beach Boys, you know, it was just yeah. before the Beach Boys. And, uh, and, the, and then the surf movies, you know, Beach Blanket, Bingo, and all those, all those pseudo-surf films that came out in the early 60s. I was... 11, 12, 13 years old watching those and uh, idolizing Mickey Dora and Mike Doyle and and Joey Cabell and all these famous longboarders from the era and dreaming, you know, that all, all I wanted to do was, was surf and surf around the world for the rest of my life. Then I ended up, you know, I ended up, uh, you know, getting out of high school and going into the Vietnam War and being a medic. And I got out of the army after three years and, and went to Hollywood. And that had always been in my, you know, in my, my latter part of high school, it was my, my dream was to be an actor because they filmed a lot of movies over there on that Island. And, and uh, I just kept surfing through all of that. And it was sort of, it was the thing that kept me sane and kept me balanced, even when going through the insanity and rejection and, just general weirdness of Hollywood and the army. So, so for me to get this offer to do this movie and star in this, this iconic role that, that really kind of reflected who I was in the first place was a dream come true. And when they offered it to me, I immediately said yes. And, and it was, uh, it was by far the most satisfying and fun experience of my career. And I've done, you know, I've done probably seven or eight hundred hours of television and forty or fifty movies, and this is by far the most fun I ever had on a set, the most true to myself role that I've ever played, and it's ended up because the film became so iconic, even though it wasn't a huge hit in the beginning, that it's also been the most satisfying sort of historically satisfying role because so many generations now of surfers love the film. They love, you know, the general feeling of the film. And and my character specifically, uh, you know, 
has has gotten me a lot of waves. And, uh, <laughs> Everybody's moved out your way, have they? <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's been amazing. It's been satisfying on a, on just a multitude of levels. I, I, I could keep going on, but I'll let you ask any other question you want. <laughs> so, did did um did you actually get to try all of the boards that Chandler had? Like, was there like a day when they no. said, yeah, you know, just have at it. It's all yours for the day. <laughs> have a go. No, I didn't. I, I could have. I mean, they were certainly there for me to, to use over the month and a half that we shot the film. But no, I you know, but I, I used several of them and I wasn't going to pull out the the 50 pound redwood or koa board that we had, you know, with no <laughs> fin. And, you know, the one I'm telling him to stick his foot in the water, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, and use, use that as a fin. No, I didn't use that board. But we did go to Makaha with a lot of those boards, and and the footage that you see of the two of us surfing together, that's that was shot at Makaha. Yeah, and I, we used a lot of different boards that day. Yeah. So when when we were speaking to Matt and even John, they were saying at the time of filming, these the guys they were surfing with, they had pictures of these guys on their on their wall. Was that uh, that may have been slightly different for you, being slightly older than they were at the time. Was that a different feeling, surfing with those guys, or were you still going into it knowing who all these people were and going, oh, my God? You know, I was, I'd been several years into having a relatively successful acting career, so I, I was one of the few actual surfers in Hollywood at the time, and that had, got, that had garnered me some acclaim and some opportunity with real surfers and with competitive surfers. So when we made North Shore, I'd already, I'd already been best friend, literally my best friend in the world is Sean Thompson. And, and we had been friends for six or seven years at that point and surfed together all around the world. And Sean's brother, Paul, we, we, I'd followed Sean around to the, I, I surfed with him at Bell's when he was competing there. And I'd surfed on the North Shore with him when he was competing and, you know, I surfed with him at, at uh, you know, I went, I, I was at, I was at his wedding in Durban uh, in, I think that was, that was like the year after. He actually got married in Durban the year after North Shore, 1988. But uh, no, we'd been friends for a long time and I knew all the guys. I knew Rabbit and, uh, and uh, Mark Richards, you know, and, and I knew all these, I knew the world champs, Tommy Carroll. And uh, so I felt comfortable in that group. I met Aki on the film and didn't know him before that. Um, Pagey, Robbie, Robbie Page, who's still a, a very dear friend. Uh, we, uh, we met on that, that movie. And then there was, there was some others who were there. The Ho brother, or the Ho, Michael Ho and uh, his, his, I think it's his nephew or cousin, they were both there. And then, you know, I've also, I've, I've known my, I, be, I had already become friends with Mike Doyle and several of the guys who I had admired as a nine and 10 and 11 year old, you know? And so I, I kind of felt comfortable in that milieu, you know? And I, yeah. I understood the old, the old style perspective on surfing without competition. I knew how to play Chandler, you know, I knew, I knew how to, I knew what he was thinking. You know, and I and I knew what he was loving about surfing that had nothing to do with competition. Yeah, so it was I, really easy for me to play that. It was really easy to relate to. I, I think that might be why 
the film for for the surfers that that watch it that like of why they love it so much because it is very genuine and um like innocent and we were talking to matt about this and he said like a, a lot of what was going on in the film kind of reflected who he was and like it and his life and it sounds like that's the same for you as well so maybe that's why that's maybe is yeah. why we do find it so special because of that it, it is very almost honest <laughs> well hopefully you know as an actor you're always trying to bring you're trying to find the honesty in any performance whether you're playing you know, a surfer or a doctor or a bad guy or a good guy. It doesn't matter. The, the, the goal is to try and bring authenticity to it. So that was helpful, I'm sure, in the, to the viewer. But also just the idea, I think the, the storyline itself captured, as silly as it, as it seemed at the time, you know, that, a, that some kid from a wave pool back then, I mean, who ever imagined that there would be a wave pool that would create a perfect wave? So some kid from a wave pool shows up in Hawaii and expects to be able to, you know, compete with the world champions. That just was an absurd idea at the time. And that was the hardest (laughs) part of it to take seriously, you know. Now, I mean, I've I've been to Kelly's wave, you know, and I, I I've talked to guys who have only ever surfed Kelly's wave. There were guys involved in the building of that wave that took a couple of years to build who learned to surf on Kelly's wave. Wow. Think about that. That, But that's the only experience. They've never been in an ocean, some of them. They they just have surfed on Kelly's wave. That's crazy to think nowadays, isn't it? Because you don't, uh, as you know, being a surfer, it's not all about just standing on the board and riding the wave. There's so much that goes into paddle strength and read in the sea and all that kind of stuff and and even like just reading the forecasts and stuff it's almost like they've only got like 10 percent of what it is to actually surf absolutely and and you know you mentioned all those other aspects of surfing you know understanding how to read the ocean and how to find the right spot to be at the right time and how to paddle out you know that 95 percent of the work is getting out there and continually having to get back out there. And then 5% of it, of the work is actually surfing the wave. But then the things that you find enjoyable about surfing, once you become hooked on it are eliminated at Kelly's wave. But for me, the things that are enjoyable about surfing is the anticipation, you know, that, that, Oh man, there's a swell coming. It's going to get here day after tomorrow. I can't wait to check it. You know, how you feel in the car as you're driving up and you get that first glimpse of whether there's a swell or not. What, what's the wind doing right now? Oh my God, it's offshore. Oh my God. You know, it's, (laughs) it's like that stoke is, is as addictive to me as whatever I'm doing on the actual wave. Once I've stood up. You know, it's all of it is the is the thing about surfing that is so incredible and addictive. You know, it's sitting with your friends, looking at a video afterwards that night, you know, around a campfire or in a living room. And you're you're watching somebody who was on the beach shooting a couple of the best waves of the day and you're all hooting and hollering. It's it's the it's the camaraderie and the social side of it and the anticipatory side of it and. And, you know, and then the, the, 
the sort of spiritual side of it, you know, that of sitting, of, of, of paddling out by yourself and sitting in a living, breathing space off of a coastline, staring at a horizon line and waiting and choosing which one of those things you're going to try and, and join, you know, by paddling to that spot and, and turning and, and, you know, can I get, can I get to be a part of this? Can I dance on this, this piece of nature for a, a few seconds? I mean, all of that, you know, for me, I mean, I just love surfing and I've, I've always loved it. I've always been an addict to it. And, uh, and here I am, 70 years old, and I'm as stoked, if not more today, than I was when I was nine. Yeah, so I, I was going to say, so you've been surfing now for 60 years of your life, you've been surfing. That's right. In all that time, have you got a favorite board which you can remember you've had across that time, and you've gone, that's the board, that is the one board that's been the best out of all of them? Oh, wow. Um, you know, the... I think I have to I have to break it down into like decades. Yeah. The best board certain decade. I had like a like a, a nine six Oli when I was thirteen that uh was was my magic longboard, you know, and, and I loved that. But then when shortboards came in a few years later, that transition was very hard for me, but I made it and uh and in the in the seventies, when I got out of the army and I was and I was back in Hollywood and I was studying, struggling, you know, for a few years, and whenever it got too much, I'd, I'd get in my little beat up car and head down to Santa Monica or somewhere, Malibu, and 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 get in the water and ride my shortboard. I had a what was it? I think nineteen seventy nineteen seventy eight. I had a Bill Barnfield that he made me in Hawaii. That uh, was about about seven three seven seven four, and it was a Hawaiian board. I mean, you know, it had some bulk in the in the front, so you'd get into waves early. It was made for Hawaiian waves, you know. But but I loved the board. I just it, I got used to it, and so all through the seventies, that was my favorite board. And then in the eighties, I went to I did this show called American Sportsman, and I was. I, you know, they, they would come to various celebrities. Uh, in 1981, I was starring like the number one series. So, so they came to me and they said, what do you want to hunt? You know, and they, would, they had gone to John Wayne and all these other celebrities for a decade. Every week, they would have a new celebrity hunting what he preferred, you know. And I think John Wayne took them to, to Africa on a safari and others would take them to Alaska to catch salmon and they said to me, what do you want to hunt? We want to do a show with you. What do you want to hunt? And I said, I don't want to hunt. I don't hunt. I don't want to kill anything. But I, but I, do, I, do, want to, I do want to hunt waves. And uh, I said, so why don't, we, why don't we? Yeah, really. They said, say what? I, I said, why don't we uh, go to a place that's never been filmed and you guys can film me surfing it? And they got so stoked on that. And I, and, and, I said, uh, there's this place called Garajigan that uh, in Indonesia that I've been seeing still photos of, but no one's ever shot any, any film footage of it. Let's, let's go there. And so they arranged it. And within a few months, they came back to me and said, okay, we got a crew together. And we got this guy who's surfed there before. His name is Ricky Rasmussen. 
And uh, he, he was like the U.S. champ in 19, uh, 1977 or 78. He was the U.S. champ. He was from the East Coast. He was from Montauk, New York. And Ricky had been there. In fact, I found out later, Ricky had been arrested for drugs there on one of his surf trips. <laughs> had spent some time. Had spent some time in a in a Indonesian prison. So Ricky, Ricky was crazy enough to want to go back there. And uh, he, so they they had me in charge of the trip. They got Linda Devoli, who was uh, one of like third in the world in the women's division at the time. And she was also from the, from New Jersey, and and Ricky and uh, a longboarder who was also from Montauk, and they said, "Now we're going to bring a camera crew of about six camera people, and you, and we're going to go to this place to G Land, and we're going to film you there." And I couldn't believe it. And it, it was at the time in 1980, 1980, it was like a $200,000 surf trip that they were wow. paying for. Yeah. Best and, <laughs> so, uh, so we spent about three weeks, you know, I think we flew from, they, they all met me in Los Angeles as soon as my series shut down for hiatus. And we got on a plane to Hawaii. We stayed in, in Hawaii for three days and surfed there just to get warmed up. Cause I hadn't, you know, I was working 14 hours a day, five days a week. So I hadn't surfed much in the last nine months. And, uh, Sort of got my legs back under me, and we all surfed Hawaii for a few days and got back on a plane and flew all the way to uh, to Indonesia and into Kuta, Kuta Beach, you know, and uh, and then got in a in a van and went all the way up and across from a little town called Banyuwangi across into Java and then drove through the jungle because back then it, it was nothing. It, you know, G-Land was, was, was not a surf camp yet. It was just this guy named Mike Boyum was just, uh, just starting it. And so we had to go through all this rigmarole to get to the beach, to get in a boat, to then go down the coast of Java for about 30 or 40 miles to get to G-Land and then somehow get in through the surf and beach the boat and, and set up camp. Is uh, G-Land as good as John says because i know it's his favorite place to surf in the world yes it's uh, it's every bit as good as john <laughs> who knows it well would say he's he's been there several times in fact i know one time he was there at night in a tent sleeping ground level and he got a, a tidal wave hey, you know how these huge tidal waves like hit banda Aceh and all these different areas of of uh, indonesia every few years yeah one hit him and whoever else was in camp with him and it pushed John 50 to hundred yards back into this impenetrable jungle. And somehow he survived it. He said he woke, he, you know, he woke up hearing it like a train was coming at him and it was pitch black out and he was inside of his tent when it hit him. Oh my God. And it just tumbled him and penetrated through this thick, thick jungle that the camp is set up right next to and pushed him back into that jungle. And somehow, you know, when the water retreated, he was still alive inside the tent and he found his way back to the to the beach. And uh, and he said the whole that must have been terrifying. Yeah, terrifying. The whole camp was destroyed. Yeah. And being zipped up in inside your tent as well at night (laughs) couldn't have been any worse. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Just just totally helpless. But I saw him. I ran into him 
down in Santa Monica, coincidentally, about three days after he got back from that trip. And his eyes were still crisscrossed from uh, from the, <laughs> the, the experience. And I think he was still in shock that he had survived it. Wow. I, I could hardly believe what he was telling me. It was it, it sounded so horrifying and strange. I couldn't even believe that 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 he had gone through that. But but I know that's how good the surf is. That John went back after that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, my whole point about talking about about uh, G Land was based on you were asking about surfboards. Well, that was in 1980, and Ricky had made me these three boards. I broke two of them there, and I kept one, which I still have. Now it just sits in my living room against a wall and, and brings back memories. But I surfed that board for about five or six years. I loved it. And until I, sh- I went and shot North Shore. And then Ken Bradshaw was my double, you know, my stunt double. He surfed the big Waimeo waves in that movie. And Kenny made me wow. three or four boards for that, which I still have all of. And uh, I surfed those boards for the next 10 years. He made me like a 6'6", a 6'10", a 7'2". Did he help you with how to play a shaper then? A little bit, you know, but I, I had I had already done some research. And, and I also, you know, I, I knew Barnfield, who was really big and, and on the North Shore at that time. Still is, actually. And I had been in the room with Bill and, and uh, several others. I, I understood shaping. Enough to know what an artistic endeavor it was, and I, underst- I understand artists. You know, as an actor, as an as an artist of as a film artist or a theater artist, you know, it, there's an artistic mentality that is kind of uncompromising, and and that that's true of anything from poets to artists to people who make furniture. You know, there's there's a kind of uh, uncompromising integrity about that, and that's Chandler. You know, so I didn't I didn't worry too much. I knew that that, you know, in the editing room, if I'm if I've got dust all over me and I'm you know, I'm feeling the the rails of a surfboard in in my shed, I'm going to look like a shaper. You know, shaping is is now, you know, now very few people actually do shaping anymore. It's mostly, you know, you shape one one blank that you love and then you, you know, computer copies it and they pop them out and. Singapore or wherever, but uh, yeah. but but shaping is 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 just an artistic endeavor, and it was kind of I kind of understood how to play that. Although I have to say that shapers all ar- all around the world have sort of accepted me uh, as an honorary member. <laughs> Every year we have this, we have this thing called Sacred Craft here in uh, in and now it's called the Boardroom. It used to be called Sacred Craft. And it's a gathering of shapers from all over the world, and I'm invited every year, and uh, and it's very flattering and really fun to be to be there with all these people. When I I, I couldn't shave a actually shape a surfboard from beginning to end to save my life, but we do understand. But they do approve of the image that I projected of what they are like. So they've accepted me as kind of a, an honorary member. Amazing. So I was going to ask on something you said before during that like long periods of filming and then trying to you know get back into surfing. Is that a difficult thing you find where you have like months where you're working extreme hours and then you get you get to go back to surfing? Does it take 
each time a little bit of time to get back into it or is it something you, you every time you come back you just straight back on it uh, yeah, it takes time you know but not not much i mean it's sort of like riding a bike you know you the first day back first two days back it's not the riding of the surfboard it's it's the the muscle groups that you haven't used to punch through waves for you know for a few months that that need to rebuild and and refresh you know your stamina may not be the same and so i go off to but see but the, the good thing about being an actor like my life it has been that you know i work i work hard and intense periods of time for a month or two shooting this or shooting that but then i'm off for a month or two and i have taken surf trips all over the world you know and i do nothing but surf for weeks sometimes weeks so if you want to become an actor <laughs> yeah i'm telling you i'm telling you it, it's a great way to live if you if you're a surfer you know you you can you can make your money in a chunk and then go spend it in a long chunk you don't have to be a weekend surfer or you know a, a before work surfer you 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 just you're intensely doing what you do for a living and then you're intensely surfing for longer periods of time so when you're traveling around the world and surfing do you do people come up to you on the beach i know uh, matt and john have um both had this that people come up to them does it happen to you as well yeah it happens yeah. all the time but as i'll give you an example 10 years ago about nine years ago now i guess uh it was 10 it's actually 10 because it was just the 10th anniversary of fukushima the year that fukushima happened in in japan i i went with a couple of buddies and we joined a large group that uh, in Indo to surf the Metawise on a boat for 10 days. And so, we, you know, it's 37 hours of travel to get from Los Angeles to Tokyo to uh, Singapore to Jakarta to the coast. You know, these are all airplanes to the coast of Indonesia and then out to the islands in the boat, which took another night, eight hours. So it's 37 hours total to get to the surf spot. We're finally in the boat. We're chugging along. The sun has just come up. We see this, the, the first wave they take us to was this place called Burger World. And we're so stoked and ready. I mean, you know, we just, we're just airplaned out. So we just want to get in the water. We jump off, two or three of us jump off onto our boards and we paddle like maniacs to, out to the peak, which is a couple hundred yards away. The boat's anchored. And as soon and there's three or four guys on it out on the peak. I'm paddling up to these guys, and you know they were, of course, every as, as anywhere else, they're going, "Oh no, another boat just arrived! Oh no, there's more guys coming!" <laughs> and and as I paddle up to them, the guy I'm closest to looks at me. His eyes got huge, and he went, "Whoa, Chandler, dude!" <laughs> 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 I'm on the other side of the planet, and the first person I meet sees me as Chandler. <laughs> and, and he said, say, go ahead, go shred, and you can have any wave you want, man. <laughs> oh, wow. That's a really nice feeling, though, about, you know, being accepted yeah. by all these surfers like that. You know, you're kind of um, loved by everybody in the surfing world. Well, at least by enough that um, – Occasionally, you know, I have gotten waves and I even got them on the other side of the planet. In fact, Matt and I were on a were on a trip once after North Shore. We 
We went down to Costa Rica and we surfed the Pacific side and the Caribbean side of Costa Rica in one day. And we, we were doing it. For, we had a guy who, who wanted to shoot this video of us doing it. So we did. And then we went on, on, these, uh, on these river rafting trips on the, on the uh, rainforest rivers. The Reventazon River, I think it's called. And there was this huge storm and we got, we had to come off the river in the middle of nowhere in the rainforest and hike our way up to these train tracks. And we're stuck there for like 10 hours waiting for a train that had derailed. And there's 16 kinds of deadly snakes all around us. And, you know, we're freaked. There's about, there's the two guides that we had and maybe half a dozen people with cameras and stuff. And we're sitting there waiting for hours and hours until it got pitch dark. And finally, this train, this old rickety train starts coming down the tracks towards us. And we're going, oh, yay, we're saved. We get on this train with nothing but flashlights. You know, it, we make it stop and we jump on. There's, it's filled with, with like farm workers and stuff from the mountains of, of Costa Rica. And we, we're, uh, we're standing in the middle of the aisles while the train has to go another hour or two to get out of the rainforest and to, to the closest little town. And while we're standing there, apparently one of our flashlights had crossed my face. And, you know, I was playing a character named Gonzo Gates on Trapper John MD. That was the big series of the time. And I think down there it was called Hombres de Blanco, Men in White. And Matt remembers... <laughs> And he, we have referred to it many times um, that as the train, which was sort of rhythmic, going, so we could hear the wheels going over the tracks. And at, to the rhythm of those wheels, there started to be this murmur in the train from all these non-English speaking Costa Ricans who were going, Gonzo, 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 Gonzo. <laughs> and we couldn't, we were going, what, what? And I realized they're saying my name from the show. <laughs> so I don't even know if these people had television. It was just the weirdest, <laughs> the weirdest thing ever. And it was sort of like that. It was like even back then in the, in the 80s, you know, media, there wasn't social media, but there was media. There was television and films and magazines reached all over the world to the to yeah. the darkest corners of the world you know well and the people that listen to this show are gonna love the fact that you that you go away on adventures with uh with matt um so do you meet up with with uh with those guys often or, or can you tell me the last time you guys surfed together or anything like that well matt and john and i met up last year uh maybe maybe almost two years ago now for lunch and we sat and caught up and john was living up in uh in Malibu Canyon at this really nice house that he, I think he had like the guest house at this really nice house and he was so happy there. And I went up with him after lunch and we, we sat in his place and, and uh, you know, admired the beautiful view from his window and, and just caught up. And then about three months later, the entire thing burnt down. Oh no. So yeah, John seems to, seems to uh, be a magnet for these kind of events. So there was this huge fire from, you know, the Malibu fires that you, you hear about. I'm sure you even hear about them in England. You know, these, yeah, these dry, yeah. the desert blow and, and his place entirely burned down. And all of his boards, his wetsuits, everything was destroyed. Well, that, that's amazing, isn't it? Because like you said, he, he you think he might be a magnet for this kind of stuff. But when he was on, he... He's just so happy and upbeat. Like most most things like that in people's lives would be a major 
kind of full yeah. stop in their life they're talking about. He didn't even mention it. You know, he's just so happy and go lucky, which I absolutely love that. He is. And I, I talked to him a couple of months later and he, he said, I said, how are you doing, man? Is there anything I can do? And he said, no, he said, I'm taking off. I'm heading off to Indonesia. And I said, really, you're going to Indonesia? He goes, yeah, you know, I figured the fire was like, you know, a message to like, get out of here, man. Go do something fun. So, <laughs> Oh, what, how, everybody would want to be like that. I wish I had that mentality. I'd just be so really? free into yeah. that mentality. Yeah, you got to admire it. Yeah, I'm so pleased you, you still meet up with those guys. That's going to be really nice for people to hear that. <laughs> Is there anything else like you've worked on where you've had that kind of connection with people before or or when you're when you're working on offshore, did you ever think that you would be lifelong friends with these guys? You don't really. I mean, you're in the moment, and and you don't. You never know. I mean, Hollywood is and show business is is a series of circles that occasionally intersect. You know, and so you know people are other actors are are in the world. You know that they're keeping busy, but you don't necessarily see them usually for long periods of time. But then. At some point, um, you know, you find, oh, wow, I'm cast in the same show with so-and-so who I worked with 34 years ago or whatever. Just just let me, for instance, for example, we have this show here. I don't know if you have it in, in England called 911. And uh, and I just I'm, I play the father of, of uh, two of the lead characters. And just a month ago, I worked with a woman. D. Wallace, who I starred in, an, uh, she starred in an episode of Trapper John M.D. with me 40 years ago. And that was the first time I've worked with her ever since. So it was like, it was like we had seen each other last week. So yeah, you have friendships and you create them and, and they last for a long time. And you sort of assume at some point we'll cross paths again and we'll be friends then too, you know, you don't, you don't take it personally that you haven't heard from him in 40 years. Yeah. That's, that's nice. I suppose, isn't it? But with John and Matt, you know, I, I, I see them a lot. I, 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 I see them outside of work. You know, we became the kind of friends that we see, we see each other and care about each other. We do, we, we did reunions for North shore. Uh, there's this great museum, surfing museum down in uh, San Clemente. And we had everybody, we got Jerry, Everybody but Laird came to this reunion we had for the 30th uh, anniversary of it. Now we're almost to the 35th. I, I saw the video of that and it looked insane. There was like queues around the block and everything like that. It just looked yeah. madness. Yeah. It was madness. And we, we yeah. And, and people dress uh, in, it's like the Rocky Horror Picture Show. People dress in Chandler costumes and turtle costumes and... <laughs> Yeah, we had guys there. I think the guy who won the contest, won the uh, costume contest, was wearing the shark jaws around his head like I did at the party. In, in <laughs> I was about to say that was just somebody dressed up like that. <laughs> and there's um, also the, uh, there's, I've seen the line now, you can actually, there's T-shirts out that say like Chandler's shaping and Chandler's surfboards and stuff like that now. I see people I, wearing these sort of things all the time. I'm wearing one right now. Honest to God. No way. Oh, so amazing. And I, and I, and I paid for them. I had to pay for them. So I, I ordered what? like three of them last year. There's some site that sells them. And I ordered three of them just because I, I went, you know, that's fun. I want to do that. So, yeah, 
I'm I'm sitting in a hotel room up in in uh, Vancouver, Canada, right now, in my eleventh day of quarantine before I start filming in in four days on this movie, and uh, and I brought a few T-shirts, and those are the ones. Oh man! So I mean. The stories you've told us already about different places you've surfed, I feel like we could go on and just listen to your stories for, well, <laughs> for about 14 or 15 episodes. I think you've probably got enough of them as well. But out of all the places you've surfed, we often ask this question, what is the place, if you could only surf one of those places for the rest of your life, what would that place be? Uh, <clears throat> it would have to be Jeffrey's Bay. It would have to be J-Bay. It, it's, it's just, I'm, you know, I'm regular foot and... Uh, and that wave and the whole vibe around there, at least I haven't been there in 15 years now, but, and I know it's changed some, but I, I, I can't imagine it's changed enough that I wouldn't still want to be there over any other wave I've ever surfed. I mean, and I, I love Tavarua and, and Fiji and, you know, I've surfed all around Australia 10 different times. I've been to Australia to surf and I've surfed Every wave, every coastline in America and Nova Scotia and South Africa and, and South America and all through the Caribbean. And, you know, there's great waves in all those spots. Ecuador, I found amazing waves in Ecuador. But there's something about South Africa. I think it's a combination of, of uh, the culture, the wave, the, the beautiful ambiance, the the how alive the ocean is. You know, I lived on the Oregon coast for 20 years, raised all my kids up there and surfed that every day for 20 years. And there's some amazing waves up there, but the water's really cold, much colder than South Africa. So I just think if I had to pick one wave, it would be J-Bay. Uh, have you ever surfed in the UK? You know, I haven't. And and I mean, I've surfed Israel and Italy and, and uh, Spain and, and France, and I never surfed in the UK. And my ancestry goes back to Cornwall. My oh, wow, no way. Yeah. So I know there's good waves. I was, just looking at, I was just looking at great waves online a few days ago that were from Cornwall. You guys had some great waves this winter. Yeah, yeah, we have. And unfortunately, we're in lockdown and we can't enjoy any of them. <laughs> so it's really annoying. Somebody, somebody was out there. There was a couple of people out and I was, I was, uh, I don't know if they had to sneak out, but I was, I was envious. There was some double to triple oversized waves breaking it in, in the Cornwall area and, and in Ireland as well. Oh yeah, massive in Ireland. Well, the Cornwall ones would have probably been the Cribble Reef in Newquay, yeah. near Newquay and Cornwall. Yeah. And, um, People, the people that were surfing those are the people who live sort of within a five, ten mile radius of them. You're, you're allowed to travel that sort of distance at the moment. Right. Um, anything more than that, they're saying don't travel any distance further than that at the moment. But yeah, hopefully soon we'll be allowed back in the water. We're both going absolutely stir crazy at the moment because we yeah. haven't been in the water for. I can't, well, this is I can't imagine how hard that must be. You know, we had a shutdown here, but. I live on the beach in, uh, you know where Ventura is in California? Yeah. There's, uh, there's, uh, it's about an hour north of LA. It's like, I'm, a, I'm about 45 minutes north of Malibu on the coast. And, uh, you know, so I could go out and, and surf whenever I wanted, as long as I didn't have to drive somewhere and park, you know, around another hundred cars, you know, and, and mingle with people to do it. And uh, so it wasn't as painful for me as it was for a lot of people like yourselves who, 
you know, need to drive to the coastline to, to, to do it. Yeah. yeah. Well, if you ever come over to the UK, then you're more than welcome to give us a shout and come surfing with us. Oh, be careful, man, because, you know, obviously I take people up on these offers. <laughs> right, uh, we, we would not, but we'd be blown away <laughs> if you turned up here, that's for sure. Well, um, all right, good. Uh, I'll take your phone numbers and uh, and I'll make that happen. I can't make that happen. <laughs> we, we literally, we turn up at the car park and put out an announcement. This is Chandler. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, don't know if, I don't know if that would get me waves or create a crowd so uh maybe we just do it on the on the sly yeah, yeah we'll do it on the slide, put the photos up afterwards so oh, that'd be amazing there you go there you go well we're, we're we're start to wrap this up now gregory because i know uh i know you got to prepare for your acting this week and stuff but first of all though i just want to say like the way that you described surfing near the start was absolutely perfect and we always ask people like a certain type of question to try and get their take on surfing and i'm so pleased that you and as your character as well chandler has described it in such a beautiful way it's kind of perfect so um i really really appreciate that thanks for uh, uh describing it that way yeah sure my pleasure you know it's sincerity it's all sincere yeah so um have you got any surf trips planned when uh, lockdown is gone all together have you got anything planned yeah i've got a, a week-long trip to uh, a place called mag bay with magdalena bay which is down on the coast of baja it's just about an hour flight south of los angeles and uh then you got to drive a couple hours and take a boat around a point to get to this little camp and i'm going to surf there for a week and there's these two points and the maximum of 10 guys in the camp so I'm going to get a lot of waves. Oh, that sounds amazing. Nice. And they're right point. They're right points. So, you know, they'll suit me. Yeah, that, yeah, that sounds lovely. Also, do you want us to say if there's, uh, if anyone wants to connect with you on the Instagram or the Facebook, are you on, you on them? People can follow you. Yeah, I'm on Facebook and uh, under my name. And, uh, and I'm also on Instagram under GNH Surf, GN as in Neil H Surf, the my initials surf. And, uh, and I'm on Twitter as well, um, the real Gregory H. So yeah, I'd love to hear from. I love to hear from people. That's fantastic. I mean, we're we're so happy that you that you've come on and shared some of your stories about North Shore and some of your stories about surfing <laughs> all around the world. And it's been an absolute pleasure and honour to speak to you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, we we me and Pete have grown up absolutely loving North Shore and in particular you know, the, the characters in it. So um, we really thank you from the bottom of our hearts for kind of contributing to our surfing life, really. Uh, my pleasure. My pleasure. I'm sorry you guys are starved for waves right now, but I hope that ends soon. Yeah, we'll do, yeah. <laughs> and, then I'll, and then I'll leave you with this. This is for everybody that listens to your show. Go ahead. Go shred. Oh, my God. Did he just really say that? Did he just really say that? He did just say that. Oh, my God. I'm so happy. Amazing. I can't believe he just said that. He didn't even say thank you to him either. Oh, yeah. Thanks, Gregory. I'm sorry. We're so excited. We forgot so much stuff. Yeah. Like you forgot to mention the discount codes at the start of this podcast. We'll do that at the end. We'll do that at the end. That was just bloody brilliant. I, I can't believe he took the time out to to speak to us like his i looked at his imdb just as i always do just to check up on people yeah 
And I was like, Jesus Christ, he's been in loads of stuff. Yeah, well, and now he's in one of the biggest shows in America still. So yeah. General Hospital in America is kind of a major show and he's a doctor in it, you know? He's, yeah. He's, uh, and he, yeah, like you said, it t- took time out to speak to us. and To speak to us? Why? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well... I love, absolutely love that all three of those guys. So, Turtle, um, <laughs> go on, I'm, say no, Nick. No, I'm, I'm mixing them up as in like getting their real names and their um, yeah. character names mixed up. So, so, John Philbin, Matt Adler, and Gregory Harrison. Yeah, are all friends still. Yeah. And they're all saying like they're really good friends. And they, they put photos up, up of them all together as well and stuff like that on Instagram. Isn't that, isn't that just the best possible outcome from that film that those guys are still friends? You know? Yeah. Like, well, the best possible outcome for us. I, oh, yeah. I, I just, I just love that thought that they go away together and they meet up and, oh, it's just great. It's so good. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. And like some of the stories that he was telling in that, like places he surfed and, that you know, stories that he told us like that John didn't tell us when he like nearly got washed away by a tidal wave. Yeah, and- nearly died. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's, it's just, yeah, I forgot that one. <laughs> yeah, stuff like that. And then imagine with his ties to the UK, imagine he came to like UK and we went out surfing with Chandler. Well, I could just die a happy man right there. Yeah. That'd be fine. Yeah. You'll get, this is the last ever podcast. <laughs> I, that's so strange when he said he's got links to, to Cornwall. Yeah. You know, so all like the UK surfers that, that love that film and all that. That's, yeah. a, that's a nice thought as well. That, yeah. That Gregory has links to this country. And he might come over and surf with us. Yeah, well, because he said, "I hold you to that." Yeah, please don't hold us to that. We're crap. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to hold him to it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, Um, yeah. That was absolutely fantastic. So the codes I forgot to say at the beginning. Don't forget to head over to Northcore and use the code SS Podcast, and that will get you fifteen percent off anything you order. Oh, where where do we go from here? I tell you where we go from here. More awesome guests on the UK Surf Show. Yeah, you're probably right, actually. Yeah. I've seen who we've got lined up. Yeah, we've got some good ones, haven't we? We have got some good ones, yeah. We've got some good ones. (laughs) Um, And to leave you with this one more time... Go ahead. Go shred.